Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Friday, May 7th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking soccer today with our experts, Ali Trost and Sean Goodwin, starting with the NWSL Legends Field opener earlier in the week. Casey Woso lost the game, but won when it came to environment and setting. When early results didn't go the way of Hugh Williams' NWSL team, he used the rest of the Challenge Cup as something of a preseason, tinkering with lineups and alignments. We talk about that as well. After a break, we switch to Sporting Kansas City and their next game against Austin Football Club on Sunday at Children's Mercy Park. Austin's an expansion team, so you figure a season or two to get their act together, but no. This team brings a 2 and one record to Kansas City, not to mention old friends Matt Beasler and a coaching staff that includes Josh Wolf and Davey Arnault, former sporting and Wizards players. So should be a fun homecoming on Sunday. Okay, let's get started talking NWSL and sporting with Allie and Sean. So we're doing our little chit-chat before we start recording, and it's always fun to do that with with Allie and Sean, but to be honest with you, I've been listening to you guys for the past half hour because I just finished listening to the tape of uh, Hugh Williams and Michelle Vasconcelos. Am I pronouncing her last name right? Vasconcelos? Yeah. Spot on. Okay. Although uh, I'm, I'm, I understand from, from Hugh Williams, it's Murph to, to, the, uh, you know, yeah. to the players on the team because Murphy's are made in name. So, yeah, I have um, – uh, let's talk about the the media availability for KCNWSL. Um, I, I liked how Hugh Williams framed what's happened over the last few weeks as preseason. I think that's a smart coaching move, kind of a good psychological move too. When your your team didn't advance in the cup, um, and look, there were some re, you know, there are certainly reasons to believe that you know experimenting with lineups and combinations that sort of thing, Allie, but. Uh, I think it's smart to frame it as just it's preseason soccer. Yeah. And especially for a team that underwent so many changes, right? I mean, new city, new coach, you know, different pieces coming into the mix. And, and really, I think the biggest benefit to approaching it that way. And of course, you know, he was very clear that they were still going to be very competitive and, and aim to win. But, you know, the biggest thing that hurt them was that they were without so many players on any given week or game um, because of international duty and injury. And so when you are dealing with such a, um, you know, inconsistency as far as player availability is concerned, you do have to get creative, which on one hand allowed them to see different player combinations It allowed them to put different players in different positions. And so there was, I think a lot of knowledge gained from doing that and now will potentially put them in a more advantageous position going into the regular season, having gotten to see um, maybe some players that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten to see if they had approached it in a different way. And if they had had uh, more of their um, veteran type players, you know, some of those international um, you know, the players who were serving international duty, um, who might have more solidified spots in the starting lineup, um, them not being as available, you know, allowed some some younger players or some, you know, more second string type players to get minutes and and to show, you know, the coaching staff what they've got. And now I think the, you know, Hugh and, and his staff have a good idea of, of what this team is made of, where the holes are, strengths, weaknesses, and maybe some positions that they might need to fill as the season goes on. 
Blair, I, I, I think you put it right in that it was a smart coaching move, smart coaching legs. In that, I mean, I completely agree with you as well, Ali. You know, it, it's a mix between, I think, you know, at the end of the day, this is a team like, yes, they were in Utah, but, you know, new players have came in, different coach, different scenario. We, we've kind of been over all of that. And I think, especially for this kind of early season tournaments, um, Casey and W sat on Louisville as well, who didn't win a single game. Both of those teams kind of get, get a little bit of a pass and calling it a preseason tournament, I guess, just because it is a you know it's a season. I've I've argued it should be spread over the course of the season. Personally, I think it'll make it a lot better. Um there's like a break from league play, but well, no, um yeah, you know, as Ali was saying, it's a chance to test players' lineups. If you miss some players, it's a chance for some of the younger, uh, younger girls on the team, younger women, I should say. Um, yes, as, as Hugh Williams uh, <laughs> insisted, you said. Yeah, and Peter and me got in trouble for as well on social media. Um, but it, it's hard, though, because girls is like the equivalent of guys, right? right so yeah. it's like we say guys and it's... Yeah, whatever. But I, yeah, the women. I I didn't think it was an issue, but people have been getting angry about it. So I need to get better about it myself. Um, But no, it's so yeah, smart coaching moving. I, you know, they pick up one point out of 12. I mean, after the second game, I think it was Hugh was calling a preseason tournament. So I kind of think he realized at that point as well that, you know, there's definitely some some things to fix. And the team has absolutely looked better game by game. Um, I think the low point, honestly, was probably a Chicago first half. That was a uh, that was tough to watch. It's only been up since there, and I, I think uh, the club should be at least disappointed to not being leaving with at least one win. But hey, it's over, clean slate, and we go again with Louisville. Well, and I won't. Um, I'll give him credit for uh, mentioning that he he thought they underachieved a little bit as well. Like he used the word uh, thought we underachieved. Yeah. So I look that's. That's being honest and fair too, don't you think? Yeah, no, it yeah. is. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, just looking at the slate of games they had, you know, Portland is always going to be hard, even with the players missing for both teams. Uh, Chicago, good team. But again, you take a late lead, then you, you slip it up in the final couple of minutes. Um, Houston, tough again. And then the most recent game against the Rain. I mean, they were able to be a team. You know, they kind of dropped off a little bit in the second half, but. You know, you, you're taking early leads and because of scored, you know, two, three, four goals. So when you only uh, you only score one goal and then you only other goal, I guess it was two goals, it was a penalty and then a late goal as well. It's just you have to be disappointed and only taking one point considering goals that were given by the team and just uh, the situations and scenarios in which it happened. So, yeah, I think he's right in saying they can be disappointed, but again, it's... A preseason tournament, if you want to put it that yeah. way. Well, and I think especially that that last game, and maybe it was, maybe it was said with a bit of that, you know, most recent game in mind, where Amy Rodriguez did have quite a few opportunities uh, to put some some early goals away, and you know that'll be, I think, you know, that was something Hugh talked about in his press conference was that you know they've got to get better to getting out to not just a one goal lead, but you know. D- put it home, get a, get a couple more to, to really make it hard for teams to come back. And then, you know, defensively the back line has, has gotten better and, and more cohesive. And, and again, that chemistry, I think is another thing that as the season wears on, as players are consistently available, um, not just in training, but on game days, it's going to show in the results. Mm-hmm. 
I thought the Mal Weber goal was a thing of beauty. Um, oh, I watched it again last night and I was just like, rewind, press play. It was, it's just, I mean, the way that she's able to just even create a, just a little bit of space for herself with so many OL Reign players around her. Uh, and then the setup from Victoria Pickett was just fantastic. And that's something too, you know, a strength of this team is their quick transition play in the midfield and ability to spark the attack uh, with the speed of Lola Bonta, with the speed of Victoria Pickett and others. And then if you've got a player like Mallory Weber and Amy Rodriguez, of course, you have to throw her in the mix there as well and some of their other uh, talented attacking players. I mean, that goal is a difficult one to score. And I mean, she made it look way too easy because that was not an easy angle. She, I mean it was just amazing. Like I love that goal and I want to have it up on my wall on a loop all the time to watch. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you, uh, you summed up Ali. You know, I feel like I tweeted out at the time she had, she had no right to be scoring with that many players around her. And I think the impressive thing is too, you know, when she cut back, you know, it wasn't like she was, you know, striking a ball coming towards her or a ball that has a lot of speed on it. You know, she cut back and, I mean, it was that little space that it was essentially a, almost a dead post yeah. except players on top of that. Uh, so to find that space and, you know, put right in the top corner here, that was a uh, finger beauty. Put it in the only place, too, she could, right in that, uh, that upper corner. Yep. Um, fantastic goal. Okay. So, hey, I really enjoyed seeing both of you guys out there on, on Monday night. And, of course, um, NWSL lost 2-1. to one. After after the the two goals surrendered after the uh, after Mal Weber's goal, um, I wanted to get your impressions of the setup and the, the stadium. First game out there, the, the second home opener, right? They played the first one at Children's Mercy, but this is the uh, this is their this is going to be their home for good now. And uh, mm-hmm. at Legends Field, um, Ali, I, I know you, um, uh, you you have helped work hard to get. Uh, you know, to get things to where they are with this with this organization, I, I thought for a first time event, it came off really, really well. Well, and that's just a credit to the countless men and women working hard behind the scenes to get this thing uh, like up and running for that game. I mean, I was there on Saturday before the game, and it definitely had a, a ways to go. And I thought that everything came together as perfect as it possibly could, um, for that, that first game. And it was just a great atmosphere too. I really did, you know, enjoy the the atmosphere and thought it was really, um, appropriate and just a solid one for, for the team and, and for the fans. And I loved the pitch side seats. I loved that behind those seats, there was a grassy area where kids could run around and play and they got cornhole and, um, you know, a, a jungle gym. I mean, it's just like such a family friendly, um, space for, for soccer games to be played and for fans to come out and enjoy. And, you know, I, I got a little teary eyed at the end of the game. I heard like a, a crowd of young girls on, you know, I'm sure just a team, they went out and watched the game together. Like even after the game was over, they're all leaving and you just hear their faint voices like Casey. Whoa. So, and it was just like, you know, it, it is as much as, you know, their fan base will range in age and, and gender and demographic, you know, all these different things, you know, these, these women on this team have said time and time again, how important it is to them to inspire that next generation of players. And you did see so many at at both games, so many young, young female soccer players out there and, and looking, you know, to them as, 
idols and, and Hey, I could do this. And so I, I just thought that like the atmosphere was amazing. I know that kind of got away from just like the space itself at legends field, but no, I thought they did a fantastic job. I'm excited to see as, you know, different, um, changes are made and, and things kind of get finished and, and ready to go what it looks like. Cause I was really, really impressed. And more, and more fans allowed in with the, uh, yes. When you start lifting the restrictions because of COVID, I want to get yeah. your thoughts too, Sean, but first I want to add on something that, uh, that Allie said, I, you know, I'm an old sap. I, I got choked up too a little bit. I'll tell you when it was for me, it was after the game, um, after the, the team had done their, their, their circle meeting at the, you know, and, uh, both teams are doing, doing the meeting. So, so the Casey, the Casey Woso team breaks up and, um, there's a lot of milling around. Right. But I had, I had to look her up cause I didn't know who she was, but it was a player, Katie Bowen. Mm-hmm. She went right over to, she went right over to the, um, to the stands, um, uh, and it was signing autographs and posing for pictures and had the biggest smile on her face for everybody. And, and it was always, it was little girls and parents. Uh, and she, she just could not have been more accommodating. And I don't know what I expected. I, you know, I, but it just, it touched me. And as someone who, you know, has had kids that gone, that has gone, that have gone through soccer programs and we've taken them to games over the years, that sort of thing. And um, it was a, it was a great moment of, connectivity uh between player and and fans and i just wanted to recognize her i just thought she was uh uh everybody who asked for a photo or an autograph uh she she complied so a couple other players came over with her afterwards but she was the first one there and was doing it longer and with with a big big smile on her face so shout out to, to katie bowen yeah i know that's good to see blair well back you know back pre covers yeah other world we lived in um you know just from the early days of the league up until you know COVID kind of happened every team they would have these mixed zones after you know after games and you know fans and you know from kids up to 18 90 year olds if they were they were more than welcome to get signatures take pictures talk to the players uh which is you know it's not really something you see with uh with MLS or, you know, any other really professional sports in this country. So with COVID restrictions, not sure um, to what extent they're allowed to do that right now, but to see them doing it just with fans, you know, by, you know, in the stands is great to see. So, you know, I I, I did miss that by here's what you were saying, Ali, with uh, Chance and Casey Woso. Um, it, it gave me a good laugh. You know, there was like, yeah, the bleachers in the outfield, and then there was some space behind it, and some kids were playing catch with a tennis ball. And I believe the tennis ball went on the field a couple of times during the game. <laughs> I, uh, I heard people complaining about that. So, you know, just typical uh, baseball soccer field combo. Uh, yeah. combo. So, it was, Love uh, it. It was, it was great. But now, fun venue. Uh, you know, you. You could tell there's a, a slight outline of the infields from the monarchs. Um, you know, baseball fields, I guess, but that, that was only if you're looking really hard. Otherwise, it, it looked like a, a regular soccer field minus the dimensions. So, you know, a great venue. Looking forward to you know, getting that place packed as we get least into the summer. And of course, the monarchs announced today that they have full capacity for their opener too. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see when KCNW yourself follows suit. Okay, a couple of other observations from me. I, I just wanted to get them out there. I, I did walk around in the second half. I, I walked around the the outside of the 
uh, the concourse area, right? Just kind of did a lap around the stadium. And one thing I noticed that when you're in the, uh, the, the burn section, burn section of the stadium. So where Woso was attacking in the second half, uh-huh. um, there, you can't look across the field and see a, a clock. So I, I think they should put a clock on the, maybe on the grandstand or something with a, a little mini scoreboard that uh-huh. tells you the score and the time. You have to kind of look around and crane your neck and look at the, the big scoreboard yeah. if, if you want to keep up. And the other thing, and it's just a, more of a question than, than uh, anything else, Kansas City attacked in the first half toward its larger fan collection, right? The, there are more fans in this, you know, the, the, the baseball stand behind the third base yeah. dugout. And, Blue crew was, yeah. Yeah. And so in the second half, they went away from that. I don't know if it was because of a, a field conditions or something, or but but I just thought that was a little curious that you would you would attack that way in the first half and not the second half. I mean, it's oftentimes, well, you know, yeah. clean, clean flip, whoever wins clean flip okay. chooses what they could attack and kick off and so I'm sure if he has got away, you know, just like Sporting KC would love to attack a cauldron in the second half. Uh, I'm sure KC and WSL would love to attack towards the Blue Crew in the second half. But I'm sure other fan bases now, you know, they know what it's like as well. Obviously, you know, sometimes other other um, other things coming to it might be if there's a song, if there's glare, one team might want to attack the other way till the sun goes down, but... Uh, for the most part, yeah, I assume most teams, if they want to gain some of an advantage, have the home team attack uh, support the section in the first half. Okay, yeah, I, I think there was probably a reason. Nothing, nothing yeah. was ever done without a reason, right? It's not a random call, but mm-hmm. uh, um, okay. Hey guys, let's take a break and uh, and switch gears to Sporting Kansas City when we come back. Back with Ali Prost and Sean Goodwin, we're talking soccer. And Sporting KC has a game on Sunday against an expansion team that's playing pretty well, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Austin, Austin Football Club lost its first game. Since then, they've won two straight. They bring a two-and-one record to Children's Mercy on, on Sunday. You know, we can we can break down the game, but the, the headline of this game, of course, is the return of Matt Beasler. And, mm-hmm. uh, listen, it's, um, uh, I was, I don't know how you, what you thought about this guys. Um, it, it's a business decision, you know, to, to, um, to release Matt and, uh, in pro sports, the, the, these, it happens all the time, right? It still was a little bit heartbreaking to see him go. And I kind of wish he'd gone to an Eastern team and not a Western team. Mm-hmm. Sporting will play him three times and, and the first time is you know, pretty early in the season. Um, what do you think? What kind of reception is he going to get on uh, on Sunday, Sean? Yeah, I mean, you, you say it's a business decision. Look at Albert Pujols today. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Players age and, uh, you know, the organization decide to move him on eventually. Uh, obviously, you know, hurts a little bit more for sports in KC and that Matt Beasley is a Kansas City guy. Uh, but, you know, I, I think when he comes back here, then I wrote about it, I did a top 10 things to look forward to for the season. And one of my things was Matt Beasley coming back. Uh, I know, especially in soccer, you don't really at all applaud players from other teams. I mean, I know for me, for the Blues, David Backus plays his last game, um, Enterprise last night. And when Pujols returns to St. Louis, he always gets a round of applause. But not really a thing in soccer nowadays. So, well, no, I, I think for what, 
what Matt Beasley's done for his team, his years of service, both as captain and non-captain, the trophies won. Um, I think, you know, he should, and I'm sure he will be welcomed back with with open arms. Uh, so that, that'll be great to see. And then, of course, you have Josh Wolf as well, um, head coach, his first head coaching gig, actually. And it, it's funny, I, uh, as the sporting KCB writer, I unfortunately never got to actually watch, watch Josh Wolf when he was in Kansas City. Yeah, because you know he moved on in 2010. I moved here 2011. I remember when I first uh, when I first found out I was moving here, which only was a bit probably late 09, 2010. It started a FIFA campaign with Sports and KC at the time, the Wizards. And I always say I was so disappointed. I was excited to be a Wizards fan, and uh, they changed the name my first year here. I was so disappointed. Uh, but I remember playing Josh Wolf back then. And, even in those days, FIFA and MLS probably wasn't as highly weighted as he was a baller. So it'll be good to have those two guys back here at Children's Mercy Park. And, you know, both guys deserve a, a standing ovation. And I'm sure they'll get one. Yeah. And they're not the only two. Dave Yarno also coaching uh, yeah. staff, Sorry. the assistant coach. Yeah. So quite a uh, quite a return, you know, back to, you know, for, for all three of them, a very memorable and accomplished place for, for all three in their careers here. So um, it's going to be definitely the weirdest, I think, for Matt Beasler, without a doubt, just given how recent uh, his departure was. And, and Beasler's definitely, I know, Sean, you're talking about how, you know, it's not really common for, you know, MLS teams and fans to do like standing ovations, but Matt Beasler is most definitely an outlier uh, in that trend because I think anytime he comes to Children's Mercy Park, for the rest of his career, he'll get a standing ovation. There's no doubt. I don't know how long he'll be playing, but um, definitely looking forward to seeing him. And hey, he's been a, a key part of a, of a defensive back line that's been pretty solid in MLS so far. And, you know, mm-hmm. again, they're just yeah. a few games into the season, but they're looking good. And, and yeah, he's he's not, you know, he wasn't playing much with Sporting Kansas City in his last season with the team, but he's been a huge part of this Austin FC team. Yeah, no, smart decision. Uh, I don't want to keep us going for too long, but, you know, again, Austin, you know, gave one, two, lost one. And the one they lost, it was their inaugural game at LAFC. I mean, not, not many teams go to LAFC and win anyway. And it's also worth mentioning that the last uh, last expansion team to win an inaugural game on the road was LAFC at Seattle. So that might have been a little bit of a foreshadowing to what they've become. But now, I mean, since then, you know, Goodwin against Colorado and Minnesota's been weirdly struggling, but still Austin beat them 1-0. And like you said, Ali, it's a pretty solid back line. It was great for Mac to go back there, or go down there, I should say. And just because, yeah, he, he was kind of being phased out exposing KC, but a chance to be a veteran on an expansion team. Uh, that's probably the most viable commodity, to be honest, for an expansion team, have those MLS veterans. So... Yes, Blair, you were saying it's a shame he went to a Western Conference team, but for him, he probably couldn't have left sports in KC at a better time and went to a better club and position. You know, uh, I, I I think he is one of the top two or three athletes who went to a Kansas City high school uh, and then played for a Kansas City pro sports team. Um, of course, Blue Valley West was his high school. Uh, Frank mm-hmm. White's the other one, Lincoln Prep, and then a Hall of Fame career with the Royals. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, very, they're, they're, it's a very short list of accomplished pro athletes for Kansas City sports teams that played their high school sports. 
in Kansas City. Sean, tell us about Caden Pierre. Caden Pierre, yes. Uh, outside back for uh, sports and KC, homegrown player now. The 12th Academy trained homegrown player on this team, which is just absolutely insane to me. Um, but yeah, no, for you know, I've, I've unfortunately not been able to see too much of him on SKC2, but you know, he kind of came into the spotlight this preseason for sports and he was getting minutes during a preseason games. Um, and Vermeese was talking pretty highly of him back then, and you know, now he's kind of got into got himself a homegrown first team contract, so you know, he's he said he models himself off Danny Alves, uh, former. From Barcelona outside back in uh, peak years, um, you know he he prides himself on his one v one defence and he's an agile, speedy guy. How much playing time he'll get for Sporting? I mean, you know, may, maybe seeing how Graham Zusi recovers, he could get some backup minutes. It depends mm-hmm. what how Zusi recovers because then you've got Luis Martin, Zamazu Deer on the left, um, and then of course Zusi and uh, Jalen Lindsay on the right. So. We'll, we'll see. But again, Peter was talking about it yesterday too. These guys get homegrown, homegrown contracts. It doesn't mean you know, jumping to the first team and start playing a bunch of minutes. It's it's got a chance for, to prove himself, you know, keep playing for SKC2, uh, keep up those high high level performances and break their wings to the first team over time. Yeah, well, and it's a good add too, Sean, like you mentioned, with Zusi coming back from injury, Amadou Dia had uh, been out, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Looking pretty thin there, you know, what happens? And he, uh, you know, Pierre's a player that's versatile. He can play on the left. He can play on the right. He's speedy, yep. uh, good, you know, in the attack, his recovery ability. And like that, like you mentioned, that one-on-one defending ability. So a, a player with a lot of upside and and someone who, because of the current status of, you know, the injury situation on the roster uh, with that position in particular, he could potentially find himself getting some uh, backup minutes, but looks like Graham Zussi's uh, been recovering and we'll hear more from Peter Vermees on Friday, but uh, uh-huh. potential that he's, uh, that he's back and ready to go. Mm-hmm. So we talk about um, motivation for people like Matt Bees or Josh Wolf and Davey Arnaud. Um, there's a little thing called wiping the bad taste from the mouths for Sporting KC this week after their last result. Um, coming off a three-to-one loss at, at Salt Lake that was um, got off to a good start, but mm. man, uh, to, to lose that one. What, how about just yeah. a quick synopsis? What happened that night? Yeah, you know, it's... I, I, you can't really hold over Sporting's head. I mean, yes, they did not play very well after that first half hour. Uh, but you know, obviously, the sports and KC Salt Lake rivalry has been a thing for a long time now. But even aside from that rivalry, Salt Lake is always a difficult place to go. One, just because of the fan base, and of course, the altitude. And then when you do that in the third week of the season, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough ask for anyone. And I think you know, sports and stars are strong in the first 30 minutes, they were kind of running Salt Lake off the pitch and um, you know, grab the goal. And then just, I think, uh, early season fatigue plus the also due kind of took over, to be honest. And yeah, um, if you want a really quick tactical synopsis, I guess, you know, uh, Sporting weren't really pay- paying off attention to a couple of the good midfield players for Salt Lake and you kind of make Sporting pay through through balls to guys like Krylich and um, I'm feeling a goal scorer now. Who scored two of their goals, Ali? Um, Rubio Rubin. 
yeah, Rubio Rubin. Uh, you know, he was caught, he was wide open on the back post for their third goal as well. So not great marking, uh, not great closing down the midfield players, but I think you can just kind of chalk out to early season fatigue and a very tough environment. And also, too, I mean, it was their earliest game that they played so far, too. So, you know, there's different preparation. I think when you play at 7 p.m. or 7.30 p.m. versus playing an afternoon 1 p.m. game, and then you couple that with the uh, the altitude, the travel, you know, I think some of those things played in for sure to the, to the fatigue that we saw in that second half. But, you know, even still, just some, uh, some things to improve upon for Sporting Kansas City moving forward. And, and I think the midfield play uh, is, is definitely one of those things. But, you know, they're also seeing players that are working back from injury. We saw Johnny Russell. We saw Alan Polito playing more minutes, but teams still without Isimat Marin, uh, who, you know, we've seen be really solid for them defensively across that back line and in the center back role. So uh, curious to see what the starting lineup looks like, because as players become available, who's going to, you know, work their way back in the starting lineup as a starter, as a sub. So it'll be interesting to see. Before we finish, kind of, can we just rename the show the August podcast, the John Luca Buzio podcast? Because I'm going to yeah. talk about it again. Um, folk we do every week, but I think he does deserve special mention for his invisible assist, I guess you can call it, for sports and yes. goal. Uh, great run. Uh, I, I tweeted it out, a less intelligent player. I can go Shelton plays that ball across and someone who's a little bit more greasy, a little bit less intelligent. You know, the ball was a little bit behind Buzio, but he still could have got a good touch on it, tried to take it into his stride and try and squeeze through two soft lake defenders, but 18 years old and the kid knows that. I've got Alan Polito, designated player behind me on my left and just let the ball go. And e- easy opportunity, easy goal for Polito. So Buzio doesn't get the assist on that, unfortunately, but the goal doesn't happen without him. So shout out, Buz. Mature beyond his years, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Enjoy our conversations. We go for 30 minutes a week. Ali, you go for two hours on Saturday. Tell us when and uh, and where they can find you. Well, this weekend, I will sadly not have a show. I am uh, having a little Mother's Day celebration. Aww. So I'm, I'm off this Saturday, Good but I actually you. have something uh, exciting in the works for that weekend show. So stay tuned for more on that. But um, you guys know I love soccer. It's soccer season. So if that maybe tips you off to anything. Um, but yeah, you can catch me other than that, just mostly on on game days, tweeting about the games on post game shows, pre game shows. Um, so looking forward to being able to share more as we get closer to the regular season for Casey and WSL and more into the Sporting Kansas City season. Mm-hmm. Of course, Sean Goodwin is a mad tweeter as well during games and throughout the week. Yeah. And you can find his stuff also in the print editions of the Kansas City Star and on Kansas City dot com sean and ali thanks you guys we'll talk to you again next week sounds good thanks you guys that'll do it for today and this week on sportsbeat kc thanks to our production staff of Derek donovan beth welsh monty davis jeff rosen chris fickett and savannah smith big thanks to ali trost and sean goodwin for stopping by and talking soccer links to sean's stories can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com hey we've got another deal for you you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. 
That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus many more stories that appear only on the website, and they certainly appear first on the website. After three months, this deal it auto renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. It's always a great time to subscribe. The Royals still over 500, although what a terrible week with the with the Indian series and at Kaufman this week. Local college is always making news. It's never not Chiefs season, and soccer now is in full swing. So how do you get this deal? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. If you're having trouble hunting down any of the offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So... Whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday with another episode.